Hello and welcome everybody to this episode of the Waking Up to Autism podcast. Uh, my name is Claire Cross. I am founder of Waking Up to Autism and I am a neurotypical mother who is a mother to two autistic children. And the whole purpose of the Waking Up to Autism podcast is to create space and to hold an area for autistic voices to come and share their personal experiences and journeys um, as I know a lot of the parents that I work with are so keen to hear from actual autistic people. And my aim is literally to bridge that gap um, and to learn from the best so that we as parents can then just really make sure that our support um, and our approach to our children is as best as we can possibly make it. And so I'm absolutely thrilled that in this episode to be welcoming the wonderful Joe Plum, who I have followed for a little while on social media. Um, and probably a lot of people listening may already be very well aware of Joe and the work that he does, um, because quite rightly, he has a wonderful following on social media. Um, and does an awful lot of inspiring work with regards to mental health. Um, so welcome, Joe. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. So, Joe, if you could just take a few moments just to explain to us exactly what the work that you are doing at the moment with regards to that sort of mental health advocacy. Yeah, so um, I guess my journey all started from being at school as um, an autistic person and mm-hmm. with other medical and mental health um mental illnesses like in within that Mm -hmm. and uh the lack of understanding back then uh led to me being victimized I was bullied beaten up um you know teachers there were parents that didn't understand uh it it was just it was a wild time and Mm -hmm. uh that went on for many years and it got worse throughout and at the age of 13 I started off uh, my the first campaign stand up speak out which uh, very quickly went global and got help of the likes of Richard Branson Sunita James Arthur and being obviously with the the struggles that I have w- because of my autism the social communication you know not being able to uh, finding it hard to talk to people and put myself in spaces where there were lots of people around mm-hmm. and all my life it's kind of been uh, this may sound really bad but I'm sure you'll understand it but it's been teaching myself how to not be autistic to the neurotypical world who didn't understand it so mm-hmm. when I was 11 I started volunteering at a youth cafe called Vision which gave children and young people somewhere to go something to do someone to talk to mm-hmm. and a lot of my bullies went there <clears throat> um a lot of the people that used to beat me up and from there I won awards and I went on to do stuff with the uh, British Medical Association, British Youth Council as a member of Youth Parliament and National Council for Voluntary Youth Services. Um, I won an award for, I had 50, 56 different volunteering opportunities all at once at the age of 13. Um, And yeah, so going from that life, which was very difficult, and uh, from someone who I've just never had any friends, never had anyone to talk to or anywhere to go, mm. I had to put myself in these situations that were tough for me and really challenge myself, which I understand a lot of people it, it can't do that. Um, but I felt I found it, who I was 
within the work that I did and knew I could make a change, especially when I started speaking out on social media about being autistic, being bullied and putting things into a perspective from an autistic point of view for the world to understand, but also Mm -hmm. speaking out openly, encouraging others to do so, which Mm -hmm. wasn't encouraged at the time. There was still a massive stigma attached, which there still is now. Mm-hmm. and uh found my unique my usp um <laughs> by doing that really and that's when stand up speak out started and ran from the age of 13 i was doing safeguarding training with the local children's safeguarding board um i was in psychiatric units which weren't very good the first one i went into almost killed me twice um Gosh. by refusing to give me my medication for my diabetes and didn't want to call an ambulance because they were afraid of uh, how it would look on them. Um, wow. And uh, we'll come on to more of that in a bit. But yeah, so it was apparent hearing me cry out and I was in so much pain. I was in DK and my body just shut down. Organs were failing left, right and centre and I was in intensive care for numerous weeks. And then they did it again <laughs> two weeks later. Um, they have been shut down now. Um, <laughs> that's not... <laughs> I, I still struggle with that because uh, there's a lot of psychiatric units which unfortunately are still the same which uh, contracted out to all of these businesses which aren't necessarily there to help people and to support them to get them back on track mm-hmm. on the road to independence and a better life it's just money 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 yeah um so yeah I, I've struggled with a lot of things I'm trying to keep it short and sweet <laughs> um so uh yeah so the work I do now Kidscape helped me when I was younger mm-hmm. and you know it was just a case of emailing them at the time and I just it, that for me was my support mm-hmm. and now I'm a Kidscape I became a Kidscape ambassador actually in the first month of lockdown um okay because social media the amount of children young people and adults as well who are on social media at the time to keep in touch with others there was a massive massive increase of cyberbullying eating disorders which you know I'm I still suffer from right how the uh, being in the public eye you know from me going from a nobody to a somebody especially Mm. with autism being all of a sudden no one wants to talk to you to people listening to you Mm. having this big following getting these likes or and whatever um and being on tv it was it was it was surreal and that was also very damaging to me but mm-hmm. then the other side of that is there's so many children young people that experience this negative image of themselves because of what they see on social media and as a person with autism i also struggle with that because of the self doubt and then the self communi- uh, the um communication difficulties and Mm. it it just all becomes like a herd of voices in your head and it it gets too much and then the bullying side of that so I was really tackling that during the time and because of the broken mental health system we do still have Mm -hmm. in this country yeah I mean the first month of lockdown I had 3,000 people contact me asking for just help support someone to talk to them Um, because I've always had this open door policy you know whether it's phone or just my my social media Mm -hmm. Um, 
because I'm advanced safeguarding trained, you know, I've got all my policies on there. So everyone knows, you know, if you contact me, but there is a serious risk to you or someone else, yeah. you have to pass it on. Everything's confidential. Had five people that unfortunately lost their lives. And this, oh my gosh. The, was, this was in the US, but this broken system, just people on waiting lists, the antidepressant yeah. being prescribed for people that don't, it shouldn't necessarily be on antidepressants as well, or it could interact um, and have an adverse effect with other mm. medications. But with all antidepressants, you get this initial period of two weeks where things get worse before yeah. they get better. So suicide ideation, and without the support alongside that, it's causing so yeah. many issues. And, you know, you sort of, I mean, even children, young people, aged 12 to 15 there was a 75 percent increase in the first two months of lockdown of antidepressants being prescribed and that was just literally one phone call appointment with your doctor and then going i will just prescribe you this because that's not the gp's fault because they are underfunded we have a government which haven't put enough money into the nhs and has I mean, yeah. I won't get onto a political conversation. No, but absolutely. But I think it's a really important point to actually put out there because I think so many people are victims of a failed system. And whether that's, I mean, I worked for the NHS for 16 years and saw firsthand how underfunded, understaffed, under-resourced it was. And, you know, we've got these incredible doctors and nurses and, you know, NHS admin staff who are incredible people who are as, as much of a victim of the broken system as us patients are because yeah it's, it all it all stems from the top and, and the lack of money um but like you're saying it's also that mentality of putting a sticking plaster on a broken leg you know someone's depressed give them a pill mm-hmm. next you know this conveyor belt exactly. and we struggle at the moment i think there was an mp that raised it beautifully in parliament on children's mental health week you know mm-hmm. there's a massive backlog with the system waiting lists uh, the longest they've ever been but there are also people on the waiting list who have just been told that yeah you you're de- you, you suffer from depression when actually it's not that this is just a gp mm. going there stra- using this word straight away sometimes mm. people do use it as well just you know time of work or, or whatnot we do see that mm-hmm. um but there's this misdiagnosis of you know no one likes being sad and Everyone does struggle and I'm not taking that away from anyone, but depression is a clinical thing. Clinical Absolutely. depression is mm-hmm. the chemical imbalance. You know, the wires are a, are a bit crossed. It's the same with autism, you know, it's, mm-hmm. so we've got to be very careful with the terminology that we use with this. And because the incorrect terminology is being used and people are just being misdiagnosed, which is also very dangerous yeah for those people because they need the right help and support if there's something else going on but it leads to this huge backlog which means that the people that desperately need the help because people aren't triaged effectively at all Mm. um like you would be if you're in hospital and you were seriously ill you'd be triaged and be put to the front of the queue mental health when you're waiting you're not no so we have this massive issue so what i'm trying to do anyway is I'm, I'm soon to become a director of Kidscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that puts more of the mental health side and mental illness into bullying. You know, that's those side effects, implementing that training, the understanding, the awareness and making it 
all accessible for children, young people with autism mm -hmm. um, with any additional learning need that they that anyone has. And also we do work with parents as well to give them the support to have time to chat. Mm -hmm. Also, then we're going to do some more training in school. So it's all linked into what I do at the moment. And then mm -hmm. I'm trying to fix a broken system. I'm trying to create the heads to hell stuff an accreditation system for schools and workplaces because the mental health education, as they call it, RSE or RSHE, depending if you're primary or secondary years, mm -hmm. it's literally just like a week-long PSHE lesson. There's not enough mm -hmm. uh, focus on it. And what that does, if it's not spoken about from a young age, you do get people who are victimised, who are isolated from the rest if they have autism, if they mm -hmm. are a bit different to someone else, because kids you can't blame it on them from a young age because they haven't got that understanding, that education. And then they see it as a scary thing. So I'm going to step back. Absolutely. But the longer that goes on, it gets worse yeah. for those people. And the earlier we tackle that, the better workplaces will be, the better quality of life everyone mm -hmm. will have. So yeah, I'm trying to create this huge accreditation scheme to really get schools actively involved and focused on creating the right support the right education also the peer support aspect of it you know and the understanding of if someone doesn't look okay what are the signs and symptoms what should you do in a certain situation yeah um but also how to talk to someone because that's a very scary thing I think for many not just children but adults when someone goes I'm feeling suicidal yes it's this you know that fight or flight comes yeah, in yeah absolutely and I think even if it comes from a, a good place not necessarily thinking right you feel suicidal but I don't care I'm not going to talk to you about it it's like oh what do I say I don't want to make something worse I don't feel prepared for this and I think you touching as well on, on I think communicate for me communication is really really key and obviously I think what people have to understand is communication can be in loads of different formats and especially if you're, you know, if we're working with sort of the neurodivergent um, community, that sometimes talking is not their preferred style of communication or, or whatever that might be. I know for um, obviously my daughter, Olivia, who's autistic, there was an element at one point where she was getting quite isolated in her mainstream primary school because people didn't understand or the children didn't understand why she did certain things and spoke in certain ways and said certain things. And you're absolutely right. I think there's like a human reaction almost that when we don't understand something, we back away. That tends to be the common, like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm not quite sure how to handle this. And I'm, so I'm going to go over here and I'm just going to leave you to it because you're, that's a bit, that's not, I don't understand that. And she actually, with the help of school, which I kind of instigated, was did a, like an in-class assembly about being autistic, what that meant that Olivia herself was autistic. It was all with her consent and her input. Mm -hmm. And we suddenly went from her being isolated to the complete opposite. Like that she was suddenly started to be mothered because they were like, oh, now I get it. Now I understand it's why. It's of relief as well, because they want that understanding. They want to know why. Yeah. And it's, it's fantastic the school also helped with that because yeah. we hear a lot of the times of schools being too busy or just yeah. not caring enough uh, yeah yeah it, exactly. it, it makes you so frustrated um yeah. 
it definitely is so obviously for yourself you're being autistic and um you know you I, I saw that you were diagnosed at the age of six so that was quite in in, in schemes of, of life that's quite an early diagnosis yes. which is brilliant what is your kind of memory if any of sort of being assessed for being or, or you know autistic and getting that diagnosis did it at the age of six did it really have an impact on you if I'm honest I, I don't have much memory at all no. of yeah. it I just remember kind of the struggles later on in primary school but there's a lot of my life which I also don't have memory of because of many suicide attempts and I'm diagnosed with mixed personality disorder which a lot of people get confused with schizophrenia and then go oh but no it just means like emotionally unstable personality disorder and there's so many other personality disorders in it yeah actually I, I like hallucinated almost like I'd get too stressed or if things were happening I'd also just switch and mm-hmm. I'd hurt myself mm-hmm. but I'd forget like a week of what I'd gone oh, on it, it, yeah. it was, it's so strange and it's only I've just finished the first round of group therapy and I've you know it's sad that it's taken until now to actually get some therapy yeah um, but it was something which I was like this it's weird I don't get it and although yeah. I do the work I do um especially you know the care system my other charity and all the kind of training and the knowledge I have I still thought oh, no one else will understand but I was in this group where all of a sudden my experiences also the experiences of other people and it was it it was so special and so reassuring because I've always I think since the psychiatric units the group therapies and there wasn't really any therapy it's just fake yourself getting better to get out there's no help or support so I was I very much was like I didn't want to do group therapy but during lockdown when that was offered and I'd moved to Cambridgeshire which is so much better um I was offered this and although I was scared as you would mm-hmm. never anyone would be but also the autism side it's a new thing and your head's going yeah. around, what do I do but it was it was the best thing that I did and that again just really shows me that if children and young people are given that opportunity in a group environment mm-hmm. a classroom environment then it makes things so much better and workplaces especially after the COVID-19 pandemic the anxieties that everyone has felt of going back into the office and doing that social aspect again Mm. especially when people with already diagnosed anxiety who want to be at home and Mm. don't want to leave the house that's been something that people have been allowed to do so that's made that side worse Mm. so we need to get workplaces to be more involved in looking after employees, mental health, having at least one designated person to be trained and understand, but we need all management, uh, people in management to have mm. training and understanding and have the employees know how to talk to people, what not to do, what to do. It's just a case of looking out, but mm. with everything, it's different levels of accreditation, which is something that I ran when I was 15 in Northamptonshire I kind of did the same thing in anti-bullying accreditation schools Mm -hmm. which is really popular but 
it goes from bronze, silver, gold, and then platinum. But the, at the end of it, you'll get some good press release because I think schools and workplaces that do this work, that put in this effort, they deserve good press. Yes. And that also means people are looking at that going, that's a place I'd like to work and it's feeling comfortable. And you can keep an eye on the progress. And it's kind mm. of like being an offstead if things aren't going the way they should. People can then contact mm. myself, Heads to Health, to get that change. But there's such a lack of training for teachers as well. Oh. Teacher training, I've heard it so many times. We just sent a survey out to teachers about what they need because the safeguarding stuff, you know, if there's a problem in schools, safeguarding reports aren't being done. Mm. so they're not being followed up when actually these need to be done all the time so we need to create a system that links up to local authorities that links up to that pupil that can follow them throughout school but any incidents concerns are raised the local authority can triage that on the system it's just a nice easy thing to do mm-hmm. and at the same time creating a reporting tool which is accessible for children with autism so it could be signs colors um and accessible for everyone that yeah. if something's going on that they can report that will go back to the school and will be loaded onto that system so it's all in one place so we can mm. deal with things early early on and keep everyone safe because although people talk about it more now talk more about mental health autism mm. whatever it may be it's 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 a very dangerous world and there's a lot of things that really concern me especially through my work and what I hear from other people and the stuff that I do and uh you know we should have these things sorted there's such simple solutions Mm. Mm. to what is like you say a really really big important issue so for, for yourself when you look back on obviously your school life and your mental health during that time and the fact that you ended up obviously in a psychiatric unit um, at a relatively young young age and the suicidal attempts and stuff. How much of a difference do you feel it would have made to you personally if these sort of things were in place and teachers were more educated and knowledgeable about autism, about mental health and, and the whole safeguarding aspect of it? It would have made a huge difference because at least I'd have felt my voice was being heard it wouldn't have felt like I kept having to shout and shout and shout uh why isn't this obvious enough someone please help me yeah um it made me feel like I actually mattered because I think without all of that I really felt like I didn't matter that I was just almost a piece of paper on on the floor that was just being walked over every day and uh that's why I just wanted to end it and I think you know having your pupil support you when you're in school especially in primary all you want is some friends you want people to listen to understand to include you mm. as well mm. and if we can try and get something done which makes that better for everyone it will improve lives i hope it will save them. lives exactly it's so sad the rates of suicide every year are going up and up and up and up Mm. and children young people like I said again the eating disorders the self-harming suicide attempts it's it's so sad and it it, you know I get lots of people contacting me and I love doing what I do but there Mm. is also a part of me that goes you know 
I don't get paid for this and I don't want to. All I want to do is make a difference and try and ensure that no one has to go through what I went through. Yeah. And I want to live life with a legacy. I don't want to die just being Joe Plum. I want to, when, when it's my time to go, mm-hmm. I want to know that I've left something good behind and that people have been helped. And I know I've helped people, but I've got so much that I'm doing or trying to do and that I want to do. Mm. um you know it's I I feel like I've had to pick up the pieces for a system that should be helping people yeah and as much as it's not my job I understand people can relate to me and it's just being a nice person it's being a friend and it's as simple as listening you know when we talk about if someone says they're suicidal don't even have to say anything just be there and listen Mm. reassure and for an autistic person where they can just talk and it's not kind of communicating back if they say something's wrong just listen yeah kindness is a language that is universal throughout the whole world so you know just please listen yeah and if you've I always say to people like I do in a medical uh, situation whatever I'm called out to I always treat by worst case scenario mm-hmm. if you think someone's life is at risk or in danger or something might be happening to them at home or in school don't be afraid to contact the mm-hmm. emergency services your teacher talk mm-hmm. to your parents a trusted adult whoever it may be because you never know if if you don't do that that's you living with that consequence so always Mm. treat worst case scenario if you think don't hesitate just go by your gut instinct whatever you thought was good to do first do it Mm. yeah absolutely and I think I think as well and it's it's listening to you Joe talk and it's it's like I say I don't use this word sort of lightly it's inspirational because I think what's really inspiring and what is so and the strength as well is that when you have lived a certain experience that let's be honest has been far from pleasant for you when you were younger with the bullying and, and everything that came with that and, and that that led to is to not allow yourself to be a victim of it but to take that experience and use it for what you're using it for Martin and- Luther King that's how I've <laughs> how I've got by and done it uh, I've always as you probably know like you need that visual um so I used to watch a lot of films which are about real life and with Martin Luther King and you look back then the racial segregation Mm -hmm. the abuse of the black community and how one man stood up had a had something going on he was facing something the whole community was facing something he put that into a dream speech so Mm -hmm. I have a dream he Mm -hmm. used what was wrong Mm -hmm. and thought what would I like from that situation to make it better and everything that I go through good or bad mm. I put it into my own have I have a dream speech and I, I yeah. try and turn it around in a way like that that I can work towards mm. my life is like an I had a dream speech mm. and everything I see is a positive now because no matter how bad or how good something may be there's always a life lesson that comes from it which is never easy and I'm always going to have dips I'm always going to have relapses because mm. that's part of my condition that's part of the autism and everything else that um mm. that goes on but you know I think there's a point of accepting that 
but mm-hmm. always knowing to learn from it. And it's as simple as, you know, it's not going to work for any, for everyone, but even if it's writing something down, uh, what you can control, what you can't control or the positives of a day, um, or doing the, I had a dream speech, you know, that's something simple, but it can really motivate you and inspire you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's such um, beauty in vulnerability, you know, and how vulnerable it is for you as somebody who's lived it, who's got your own things that you're dealing with, but instead, even though that that's going on, you're prepared to show up in that arena. And especially as you probably have come across, I'm sure, as, as we all do, and the beast that social media can be and other people's opinions or, you know, it's not always positive or whatever it might be. And, and being prepared to stand up and still do what you do with, you know, like you say, with the communication and sometimes with like social media and things that, you know, with the autism, it can all be a bit much. And But still being prepared to navigate that is an incredible thing and I think you sort of sit there and you kind of you're reeling off all these things that you've achieved as if it's kind of like a a, you know an everyday occurrence but it's absolutely incredible where do you feel that that strength sort of comes from is it just this pure desire of not wanting other people to go through what you had to go through and if you can change that or be a, a support to them then that's enough reason why I think it's that but I also think it's anger okay as well and I'm not afraid to admit that I'm not an angry person I'm not a nasty person but I think I get angry with the way things were you know in the care system that wasn't pleasant being beaten up inside care homes and all sorts uh, Mm. which is you know why I started my charity um stand out which is the first of its kind in Europe Mm. uh, which is quite amazing but I think the anger and the emotion and still the trauma and the PTSD side of things, you know, I I, I really struggle with that. Mm. Um, But again, it's just, I found a purpose, which I think for many people who live with autism, you've struggled to find that purpose and struggled to find where you fit in, in in the world. But that's where I fit in for me is, making a difference and raising awareness social media you know my following is is pretty big yeah um and you know my facebook page alone you know you see it it reaches 3.4 million people a day in numerous countries and um doing some work i do in america and australia it's it's mad and you do get some hate but you also part of that is that's the beginning of an education for someone you know they're reading that but I always I don't reply back with anger it's always kindness which kind of you get someone going oh go and kill yourself sometimes and you know they're keyboard warriors they hide behind the screen for a reason and I, I'd say this children young people as horrible as it is it's never nice mm. they're too too scared too weak to say it to someone's face they do it behind the screen mm. but I reply to that with some kind message and then you get oh and then they become really nice to you so it's yeah. kind of tackling that and then they start to listen it's kind of like, oh I'm sorry you get an apology later on and then they start yeah. to understand why you're saying what you are why you're raising awareness of this issue and how their behavior at the time well mm. it could have you know caused someone to to take their own life yeah and it becomes a real realization to them so 
I think all of these combined together has helped me. I, I've been very lucky to meet uh, some very well-known people who have struggled themselves in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at one point I had more celebrity friends than I did friends. You know, it's just... Wow. Uh, and yeah, I can message them. I can re- reach out to them, and there's a mm. lot. Mm. But it's not the same as just having friends you can turn to. But they have helped guide me, especially Sunita when I was in in, in care and in hospital. And when I struggled with the media spotlight, she helped navigate me through. It's kind of like holding my hand from distance. Mm. I know what it's like. Um, and I think the beauty about having this big following is you experience things kind of on a not on a massive celebrity status but still quite a big level to where you almost become like a brick wall like I've always said I feel like a brick wall throw anything at me it'll bounce off Mm -hmm. um that's my armor I have now and I I just use I just find the negativity is my strength it's almost like weightlifting lifting Mm -hmm. that negativity off you and just becoming stronger and stronger every day yeah. every day is a learning curve but I just want to help that's that's my purpose in life and you know yeah I've achieved some things I still don't feel like I've achieved much oh my um, word <laughs> I don't know because I just see it as I, I don't know why people don't haven't done this anyway it kind of yeah I think from an autistic perspective you look at the world in such a different way it's like but I'm no different to how other people would want to do this. People should mm. just be doing this anyway. Mm. And I find that very difficult to understand. And the way the world can be can really upset me sometimes, you know, you yeah. know what's going on in Ukraine right now. And yeah, it does make you very sad because you do see the world in a very real way. Mm. You know, it's, it's just black and white. Yeah. You know, this happens and it will upset you. Um. But autism is my superpower, you know. I've I by seeing things in a different way, I can do things in a different way to how a neurotypical person would do it. But I can also educate along uh, on my journey. Mm. And, uh, you know, I I don't know if you probably saw it. It's nice to receive like letters like the other a few weeks ago when yeah uh, uh, Prince William and. Kate Woodson had sent me a nice written letter you know keep on what you do thank you for what you're doing really inspiring just came so out of the blue when you see Kensington (laughs) Palace on the back and it's signed it's like oh thanks and getting my Diana award from them and meeting them again at the Sun Awards in September last year you know it's uh, it's nice to have that because they're obviously quite busy but it's nice to know that your work's being watched and absolutely that appreciation and that yeah, exactly. kind of yeah just that little nod of you know just you're taking doing that time out absolutely and sometimes it's a, it's it's the smallest of things and the smallest of gestures that mean the most isn't it and like you say when you're very busy people that got a very high profile and I'm sure they work with an awful lot of people and, and are exposed to a lot of wonderful things that happen that they've actually taken that time out to not only see you in your work but take that time to acknowledge is amazing and obviously talking about um you know the who cares wins award um and I saw obviously that the, um, some of the, the photos that came from that and being named sort of like David Beckham's man of the match or night or as you put it Beckham, how, how was that Trudini's man of the match yeah that was quite surreal that? um obviously you kind of take <laughs> I was 
I was quite scared with the awards. Like I, I didn't think I, I found out I was nominated by a few people and mm. kind of like, oh wow. And to me, the nomination meant more than anything. Yeah. And I didn't think it would go any further. When I kind of heard it was the sun, mm. you do get a little bit like um I've been in a lot of national press and international press, but you do get wary with how the truth is told, how stories are put. Yeah. Um, Especially when you look at some of the news stories the Sun have put when it comes to mental health and Caroline Flack. Yes. And it was an award in her name, but when you look at actually what came out, first of all, from the Sun, it was was very nasty. And Mm. me, I kind of looked at it in a way like, why are they uh, having an award in Caroline Flack's name when actually yeah. they were the ones who posted this about her? Mm. But and then I found out I was shortlisted. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, that's a bit weird. But I didn't expect it to go any further. And then out of thousands and thousands of people in the same category, like. Mm you're one of the three and it was it was just madness especially after lockdown you just go for me like televised red carpet events like I've been to a lot of things but after lockdown and not doing anything for so long it was really surreal to be put up in a five-star hotel and all of a sudden find yourself in a red carpet <laughs> um I did get into a bit of a row with Piers Morgan and Tom stop throwing his toys out of the pram because it's just a mega Markle thing that was my head, head in, like, obviously. You took Piers Morgan on over Meghan Markle. <laughs> well, I, I, I just get annoyed with the way that he dealt with it, you know, in, yes. in a pandemic when he, Meghan Markle might have felt suicidal, and lover or hater, if someone says they're suicidal, believe they are suicidal. Mm-hmm. Don't ever degrade them or belittle them. Mm-hmm. And the way he said that he didn't believe her you know so many people that had a huge impact on so many people yeah. with a person like him who's got this massive following exactly people it's felt exactly. like they weren't going to be believed yeah and yeah she's got a life she hasn't texted you back it all came back because she hadn't messaged him back mm. and it's just like just give up. in just grow yeah. up and get on with your life um I wrote about this I got asked so many questions and did the press release and the interviews and stuff but he got a bit tipsy and we got into a bit of a row and I was talking to Vernon Kay having a selfie with him and Piers Morgan then showed up behind and wouldn't get out so Vernon Kay just just have a minute yeah. Vernon Kay took a selfie with the three of us uh, so we got a good selfie um yeah but yeah it was, it was very surreal meeting everyone that we did and yeah it's it was just very strange but yeah. and then when you when, when national newspaper you know like, oh, David Beckham and Troy Deeney's man of the match and he's yeah like, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep that I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely gonna like just use these words more often you know oh, so I, I'm the, their man of the match yes. <laughs> forever more not exactly. just that night forever keep more. That forever Absolutely. That is definitely one to bank. Absolutely. Um, And yeah, I think it's just testimony to obviously the work that you've done and the effort that you've put in. And I think that's, you know, 
so well deserved and it's it's really lovely just to see that happening and it's really great to see good people like yourself who do good work who put you know their own challenges or struggles whatever it is they don't allow that to stop them from having that voice and doing that and putting it forward it's just you know it's incredible um so with regards to if there's any sort of parents that are listening to this podcast who have got autistic children who maybe are also so obviously I'm very well aware that just because you're autistic doesn't mean you have a mental health condition as well yeah but there is often times when the two do come together um and I know that a lot of parents that I work with sometimes find themselves in a real crisis point with their child who's maybe self-harming or has got suicidal tendencies but CAMs, waiting lists, GPs, et cetera, are like just you need the help now, not in two years' time. What kind of advice, and I know this is quite a big question and, and might not be a, a, an easy answer for you, Joe, but what kind of advice would you give to parents who are in that situation? I think before you de- deal with any situation like that, it's take five minutes to have a breather because if your child mm-hmm. sees you panicking, they're going to panic as well and then there's that sense of I feel really bad I made mum or dad or mum and dad upset um you know give time for yourself just think but don't over question your child as well it's just you're not gonna always get any child to open up about something that may be going on if they're self-harming as to why Mm. But just reassure that, you know, you are there for them. You care. You love them when they feel ready. If they're not talking, mm. please just come to me and we'll work through this together. And I think that word together is really important because it's it, it just shows you're on a united front together. You're not being judged. And I know it shocks some parents and some parents get quite angry because when their child's cut themselves or whatever may be don't get angry it's yeah. not nice to see but it has happened and there is there is a reason there is a thought process behind that but it <clears throat> also if it kind of gets to the point where you think that you can't do anything and your child's life is in danger at one stage you know the police can mm-hmm. be called um the police service do now have crisis response teams within mm-hmm. the police to deal with these things mm-hmm. so you know even if they needed a 136 assessment to kind of fast track the waiting list for cat for cams because they need an assessment they might need an inpatient admission but i mean there's so much criteria to actually meet a 136 yeah um, but, you know don't hesitate to do that mind <clears throat> i have to mm-hmm. say when it comes to children young people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm not necessarily adults uh, tend to <clears throat> struggle with mind with that bit but they are very good for interim support and okay. there and then so you've got mind cafes in every region pretty much oh, okay. and their support line is always open papyrus prevention of young suicide you know if it's cutting if it's self-harming whatever you can your child can reach out to them you can reach out to them mm-hmm. uh family lives as well like the nspcc reach out to them if you need that support mm-hmm. too um <clears throat> but there are so many great organizations out there just encourage you know it, it's as simple as listening 
Um, yeah. Don't panic yourself and you've got to look after yourself as well. Because like yeah. I said, if they if your child sees you panicking, they're gonna panic themselves. Mm. It's gonna make them feel bad because then they see you panicking, it's like, oh, I've upset mum and dad or yeah, however. hundred percent. I mean, both um Olivia and Adam, my children, um, self-harm when they're overwhelmed. They don't do it as much anymore because we're sort of I don't want to say managing it, but we're kind of getting better with our support and nurturing their needs and things like that. So they're not getting to that point as often, which is brilliant. But I have said to parents, and it's it's great to hear you say it as well, in the fact that if they do self-harm, I try to keep my reaction quite neutral because I want them, if they're going to self-harm, to tell me. Because I think if we overreact or get upset then what I don't want is them to continue to self-harm because they're still in that mindset, but then they're hiding it. And, you know, and obviously, like you say, so it's, it's, it's keeping that. And, and again, like you say, the whole togetherness of it. Um, and I say to the teachers and, and, and educators and stuff, is it's so important how we show up for our children because how we show up will directly affect them. So if we're showing up stressed and upset and, panic yeah you know so I think that's just such really really great advice and and you've definitely said some things there that I wasn't aware of like the mind cafes in every region I had no idea that that was even a thing even get some support for yourself as parents as well yeah that's that's (laughs) that's never a weakness I think every parent has reached that point okay I, I need some support too but like I said young minds as well and papyrus have all those support groups and kidscape as well you know if it's a bullying situation that's leading to it zap workshops are free run mm-hmm. by myself by carol great team mm-hmm. and you've got the parent support workshop afterwards and we've also got the um cyber safety mm-hmm. one so to keep parents updated so mm-hmm. you know they're free of charge um, yeah but we've also got the parents support line which you can find during the week if you need a bit of support need someone to listen and just kind of the next steps of what to do so yeah it's it's remembering remembering you're not alone as well you know there's so many other parents going through it especially after lockdown and kids are struggling with the social aspect because that part of the development has been missed so Mm. it's going to cause some anger and upset for Mm. a little while longer and there's also that uncertainty which we all live with but it's this is going to happen again. It was a very un- surreal situation for all of us. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of worries going on, but also do do some tasks with your child as well. So like, like we did in therapy, we do the check the facts. It's writing kind of like, right. So this is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Let's check the facts. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And it just, by putting it there and then on paper, it just kind of t- changes your mindset yeah as to those things um and you know deregulating mm. an emotion from if it's angry to calm you know work on that and there's some brilliant apps like the calm apps and uh you know even just putting some angry music on hitting pillows as hard as you absolutely. can absolutely there's many different ways and that i think it's important just mention it and while we've got time is just yeah there is no one way that is right for everyone. No. Different ways for different people. So it's not that 
this is going to work for you. If a doctor says, do this, I'll help. Really annoys me because it doesn't always help. You know, you've got to tailor it around your likes, your interests and what will work for you. Yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. And just, I think as well, doing this podcast with you and just for people to hear from you as well is going to be just therapy in itself in a lot of ways it's going to resonate with a lot of people and a lot of people are going to get a lot of comfort as well um, from hearing what you said so if anybody wants to get in contact with you or find you on social media just before we go if you just want to kind of share how they could do that yeah so easiest way you can type in my name on google um, <laughs> <laughs> there's pages and pages uh, I feel 30, 36 pages <laughs> it's quite sad knowing that but anyway um yeah so you can do that my contact details are on there um facebook joe plum uh so it's just uh j-o-e and plum like the fruit but with a b on the end um twitter and instagram is joe plum uk uh, you can go onto my website joeplum.org or email hello at the joeplum.co.uk but all of those you can get get in contact with me on my website you can fill out a contact form and it'll come straight back to me as well so don't hesitate to get in touch fantastic and obviously just to all the listeners out there that I thoroughly recommend like I say I have been following Joe on Facebook and Instagram um, which are my kind of chosen um, preferred social media platforms we all have our our favorites um, for quite some time and he is a very inspirational man who posts some fantastic content and I know that it's really helped me as a parent with my children as well and I've read what he's had to put and what he's had to say so I hope that um, everybody has enjoyed listening to Joe today thank you so much for coming on Joe and and giving us your time Um, and yeah for anybody that would like to subscribe to the podcast of Waking Up to Autism then just head over to our website which is wakinguptoautism.com you can sign up to be alerted for when the newest episode drops Um, but yes thank you very much for joining us for this episode thank you Thank you.